While we on the Lollygaggers podcast value the highly prized demographic of kindergartners and preteens, we should warn you that we cover some explicit topics this week, so proceed with caution. In this episode, both Lollygaggers get duped into thinking the movie High Life is a Steve Winwood biopic. For the Gentleman's Challenge, Justin learns how to be a good podcaster in Tusk, while Jeff reads a modern-day Romeo and Juliet in the comic saga. Welcome to episode number 59 of the Lollygaggers Podcast, a show about all sorts of different geek things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am on your host, Jeff. I'm your other one, Justin. How's it going, buddy? Uh... Yeah, I've had some uh, some rough times lately, but we're we're pulling through. I'm gonna throw this freaking mixer across the room in a minute. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really shouldn't have got two degrees in English, uh, and I should have gone into sound engineering. Uh, if I would have known, well, if it makes you feel any better, all the stuff we're talking about today is definitely uh, easy to unpack and not difficult to understand. So you got that right. That's true. That's true. So, hey, I've got some exciting news for you. I haven't told you this because I wanted it to be a surprise on the podcast, but I watched a Spider-Man movie. I did. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, I hate Spider-Man and with just with what is it? What is it? Was the phrase with the passion of a dying 10,000? I don't know. With a burning. I don't know. What's that stupid phrase with the burning of 10,000 suns? Anyway, I hate Spider-Man. I hate Spider-Man. Like, I just I really do. I can't stand him. Uh, I'm so I'm t- I'm so I'm so sick of seeing Uncle Ben die, and then me being told that with great power comes great responsibility, and I just want to be like, all right, well, here we go again with like the same origin. But anyway, I watched a Spider-Man movie, and I and I assume it I, I assume it's the most recent one that there hasn't been a newer movie made. It's called uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider Verse. Uh, have you uh, have you heard of the, you, you you've watched this right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not the most recent one. The most recent one's uh No, no, no. Home, it's it's, yeah. it's the what they've made another one? They've made another Yeah, there's another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Like why? Cuz how how many times MCU. can you see a little teenager swing around in pajamas? Like how many times does this movie need to be made? I don't understand. Listen, Spider-Verse is actually a really really good movie. So. Well, that's what I was going to say is that the other cool surprise is that I actually liked it. So we were on the we were on the flight back. I was in Florida for a bit visiting some family and on the flight back uh, uh my wife and i we watched into the spider-verse uh because it came up i, I want to say was it netflix or was it amazon i can't remember it came up one of those it's it's available now uh but yeah it's really really it was really really good it was good it was great i hope they never make another one i hope that's it i hope we're done we're all done with spider-man movies yep the mm-hmm. only complaint i have about the movie is i thought kingpin looked ridiculous he did oh that, my god i totally agree with you yeah we're, all, we're he yeah he just looks stupid and I'm his so particular sick of art design his his specific art design was really really bad. Yeah. Other than that, I thought like art direction, music, uh, the style. I thought the style would have been weird when I saw like the previews and stuff. But once you get into it, it's really great. But like, yeah. The worst part is Kingpin looks like a thumb, on like like a thumb on the tip of a of a sledgehammer. It's really bad. It looks like it looks like that thing where like a bunch of kids are are you know are standing on top of each other's shoulders to make like a single person except they don't have that person at the very top and someone's opening the the breast uh like of the uh of the jacket and like that the middle head is popping out in the middle of the torso uh yeah i didn't really like that so i mean i would be down for a uh a was a spider pig i i do a spider pig movie i i would totally uh, that's a uh, spider ham spider ham starring, sorry uh Peter Porker. Yeah, That's what you're I would. About right thank there. you. Yeah, I would do that. And then what was the throwback one where he just wanted to like fight Nazis and stuff? And 
Uh, that's Spider-Man Noir. Yeah, um, I like that one. Which that is good. actually a really great comic book, mm-hmm. and it would be really interesting. So what's good about this, I think it really opens, like, if you want to do, like, a movie about a specific yeah. verse. Because what the world needs is more spider movies, you know? Yeah, whatever. Uh, and I'd also be totally be down for, like, a Gwen Stacy-focused Spider-Girl. Was it Spider-Girl or Spider-Woman? What was, was it? It's, it's still it's – she's called Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen. I okay. like her because, like, she's – She's like super popular because her art design's really cool with like the her suit was the cool. color of her, her suit yeah. and like the offsetting color for like ballerina shoes and stuff. She's really cool in the comics too, but like yeah, that's why everyone likes every pretty much they picked everyone's favorite Spider Man, including Spider Ham. Mm-hmm. Spider Ham is obviously the best one. Yeah. And they put them all into this one thing. My favorite part of the movie was old fat Parker. I thought he was great. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I've had some people argue that because I know you like the Thor, the fat Thor thing. And so I think between the two of them, like part of me is just like, can we not like we're making it a joke? We're making like depression and stuff like, you know, like he got in a divorce with his, like his wife and him and his wife, you know, split up because they had disagreements over whether they wanted to have a kid. And then Thor was having like super PTSD problems. And like we're just sort of using the punchline of this person gaining, you know, gaining weight and having like some sort of level of PTSD or depression or whatever is a joke. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that that movie, despite being kind of strange uh, and having like all sorts of different universes melding together, was nowhere near as strange as the movie that Justin and I are about to talk about right now. That's what you call a transition. That's called a transition. Um, So... So Justin and I, we were, uh, the reason I brought up Spider-Man is because I had this plan because Justin and, and one of our other friends were supposed to review uh, the newest Spider-Man movies. So the transition really doesn't make sense now. But that was the plan. I was like, hey, so I've seen the newest Spider-Man movie. And you're like, not so fast, my friend. And it was going to be great. Uh, but it didn't work out. Instead, uh, I, I gave That's Justin... That's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Instead, I gave Justin a choice of because we were like, hey, let's, let's review a movie together. We haven't done like a, a movie breakdown in a while. Uh, so... I gave him a choice of two indie sci-fi movies because uh, I'm a big fan of like indie sci-fi movies. Uh, not like, I mean, I like any sci-fi movie, but I specifically like uh, you know ones that are made that are kind of a little artsy fartsy. Uh, you know, they're, they're really thinky and philosophy, as you can tell by some of the the comics that I pick. You know, for to read like uh, like Roche Limit and whatnot. Uh, but we chose so I gave Ch- Justin a choice between High Life, which uh, stars Batman or the newest Batman. Uh, or or, uh, or prospect, and he chose High Life, and I really think he chose High Life just because it has Batman in it, and not because he actually looked at what the movie was about or watched a trailer. Because I feel like if he read what the movie was about and watched a trailer, he probably wouldn't have picked it. Boy, did I make a bad decision? <laughs> okay, yeah, this is totally not your kind of movie. Uh, so anyway, we uh, we watched High Life, which is available for rent now on Amazon Prime Video. It was like two ninety nine, something like that. Uh, I don't think it's available for free anywhere yet, uh, but it is a 2018 uh, science fiction film. Um, Wikipedia says horror, but it's not a horror movie. I don't know what they're talking about. It's science fiction. It's a little bit of a thriller. It's kind of a thinker. Uh, it's directed by Claire Dennis, uh, who apparently is making. This is apparently her her English language debut. She's a she's a famed uh, French director, and people have been uh, looking forward to her her English. English, well, full English language uh, film premiere. So um, it also stars, as we mentioned, uh, Batman, uh, the newest Batman, Robert Pattinson, uh, who I think is a, actually a really good actor, and I'm super happy uh, with their selection of him as new Batman. It's also got Juliette Binoche, and boy, yeah, she has a scene. 
and then who else has got? It's got Andre Benjamin. Uh, so he's in it too. And I can't think of any other names that might be uh, immediately recognizable. So the premise of the movie is that it's a bit in the future, not like super crazy future. Everything's still kind of recognizable, right? Uh, and it focuses on a group of inmates. So these are people who have committed crimes. They've been sent to prison, et cetera, et cetera. And they go on a mission and they're traveling on a spaceship towards a black hole uh, in the distant, you know, distant parts of the galaxy. Uh, relatively close, though, in terms of how far a black hole is or how weak a black hole is, something like that. And all the while, they are also taking part in um, some sort of artificial insemination experiment because uh, Juliet Binoche's character, Dr. Dibbs, uh, is a bit um, obsessed with the idea of kind of, you know, creating, like, I, I think the implication is, is that there might be some fertility problems going on um, back on, on Earth. I could be misreading that a little bit. Or maybe it's just she's a wackadoo, which is totally possible, too. And so she's doing a lot of things where she's she's testing artificial insemination and, like, babies aren't quite able to handle the radiation of space. Um, but the main character, Robert Pattinson, Monty, he does not participate in these uh, these experiments. So whereas all the other men that are on the ship are constantly like giving their uh, their semen uh, over to over to Juliet Binoche for testing, and many of the uh, the women are are kind of being artificially I guess they're being artificially inseminated, uh, and they're not always able to carry a baby to term. In some cases, the baby makes it to term and then dies. It's really freaking awful, actually. Now that I'm saying it out loud. Um, so yeah, so there's that going on the whole way now. I say that from a linear perspective, but this movie is not told in a linear fashion. This movie is told very jumbled. So um, the first few minutes, uh, maybe 15 minutes of the movie or so, uh, the most of what we see is Robert Pattinson on a on the spaceship that's derelict at this point, and the only other living being is this little baby. Um, and he's taking care of her. It's, it's We learn later that it's his daughter, but not a daughter that he like um i mean he was kind of I, I would say he was raped uh, is it basically the way i would say it like at, at one point um and and like he's kind of forcibly um he, he's forcibly giving over his ejaculant and then the the mother as well it's it's super uncomfortable like if you're not if you're not capable of like watching a movie where there's all sorts of scenes that are going to make you um uncomfortable with the way in which like sex you know sex is, is is depicted and the way in which um and like different strange depictions of uh of sexual assault and kind of curious ways uh then this is definitely a movie you should 100 percent not watch because there's quite a few scenes in this movie that are incredibly uncomfortable now there's other things that are going on as well so the idea is that they're going to go to this black hole and they're going to somehow collect this new kind of uh, energy that's going to come back and it's going to save earth yay um but that's not really what the movie's about it's really about the journey um and so they're going to this this black hole now because it's told non-linearly excuse me non-linearly we know from the very get-go that all of the people that were on this ship with the exception of robin pattinson Robert Pattinson and the little girl are are gone, right? And then through the course of flashbacks and sort of mixtures of these two different timelines, um, we actually see what befell uh, the the crew as this this sort of madness and desperation begins to settle upon them as the uh, as the voyage continues. Uh, and then we get to a very ambiguous and murky ending that I won't won't talk about 
uh, too heavily yet. So anyway, that's kind of a general summary of it. It's really, it's not, not the easiest movie to talk about, I guess, uh, or at least to summarize, uh, but hopefully it gives you kind of a taste of, of what, what's going on. So Justin, I'm going to let you go ahead and, and start with the, your thoughts. What, what do you think of this movie, uh, High Life? What the fuck? That's my well, overall going to have to write down this. that number for edit later. Okay. <laughs> That's my thesis of this film. Um, there's so many strange moments um, because there's one particular turn where you're like, oh, that's that's where we're going with this. It's when the doctor goes in the sex box, if you will. I don't know why um, you don't just say it because you just said the word. It's a fuck box. Like that's that's okay. what it's called. It's what it was called. <laughs> no, it's called. That's what like one or two of the characters called it. And I think that when I've read about this movie online, that scene obviously has come up quite a bit. So there is a room on the ship where uh, where people go in uh, to get off. And uh, yeah, and there's a very extended uh, scene with Juliette Binoche's uh, character of Dr. Dibbs who goes in there. It is very extended. And it's extended. It's like a good couple of minutes, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. I mean, a lot of this movie, I think, is about making you uncomfortable. And in some ways, I think that's a good thing, right? In other ways, it might not be. But um, but in some ways, yeah. Anyway, continue. Um, I think that uh, Batman needs to speak up a little bit. That's about it when it comes to his acting. I thought he was fine. Just sometimes he's just he whispers a lot in this film um, when he's talking to especially his uh, his daughter. Um, there's two rapes uh in this film at least uh, i mean we could we could you can equivocate and say you could infer more. a few more probably yeah exactly so yeah mm-hmm. and like the whole process um, itself is very questionable what's going on like dr dibs it might be um one of the worst uh, people ever there is an extraordinary amount of ejaculate in this movie like yeah there there's a lot yeah. a lot and there's one scene where uh a woman covers herself in it, which is uh, yeah, which is something. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I just it's really hard to kind of put this movie in words. I wish I watched the preview. Um, I kind of like you said, I did go straight off of uh, the fact that Batman's in it and kind of want to see it. his acting ability. I just want to see the acting ability. Is all I want to see. Um, and uh. My only other thing is, what the hell happened at the end? I'm really sure. confused. Yeah, I mean, that's a big happened. question, too. Um, yeah, this is not the type of movie that we normally normally review, because uh, we, we usually keep things a little lighter, a little bit more popular. This is kind of more off the beaten path. Uh, I mean, before we get to the ending, if we want to do any sort of spoiler discussion, let me give you my thoughts on it. I liked it, uh, but I also found it, it also made me uncomfortable at times, but I also think that's the intent. I think this this movie was intended to 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 make you feel uncomfortable. There's a there's a weird kind of clinical. Um, there's a very emotionless uh, view of the way in which like reproduction is is depicted in this movie, uh, which is uh, kind of heartbreaking in a way. Like there's there's very little. Like the only love, the only kind of warmth in the movie really comes in the scenes between Rotten pa- Robert Pattinson's. I keep calling him Robin. I don't know why I'm doing that. Robert Pattinson's Monty uh, and his daughter. Um, so I can't remember his daughter's name off the top of my head right now. Um, but the two of them, like when we get their scenes, uh, Willow, I think their name was. Um, when we get the scenes between Monty and Willow, both as 
you know, when she's a child, like a little baby, an infant, and then later when she's a little bit older in the second half of the movie, like those scenes are fantastic. Like, like and that's where I think a lot of the the heart of this movie is and like like where you're going to get some level of redemption. But when it's the crew and, and we're getting those parts of the movies where they're just traveling like desperately through this this black void um, and they're doing so honestly like this the experiment that's happening is insane because like every day they have to respond they have to send a message in order for the life support to continue for another 24 hours which is just awful but it's just a trick because nobody nobody's getting those messages right like it's not taking years for them to go back so there's all so it's this rear like they're just out there all alone and sad and it's it's pretty bleak and depressing and if not for this strange obsession with reproduction um, by Dr. Dibbs, like I feel like this movie probably would have been a little bit more accessible to people. Like, but because of because of that, I think it's going to to alienate a lot of a lot of viewers. And even just going through and doing a basic research of some of the reviews I'm seeing online, like it's definitely a love or hate movie. Like it doesn't seem to be people that are down the middle. Uh, definitely seems to be people love it and think it's brilliant, but there's also others that are think like this is ridiculous uh, and it's sort of a waste of you know two hours or, or thereabouts. Um, but overall, I found it I found it fascinating. Um, I'm a big fan of a lot of these 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 sci-fi movies that make you think, or these sci-fi shows or or comics that make you think. I think of Solaris. I think of like Space Odyssey, 2001: Space Odyssey. I think of those types of movies. And while I put it in that category, like this is exploring not so much not so much space as it is just it's more like a reflection like on like how and which how we behave uh which is which is also kind of fascinating um but this is not a movie that you should be going into um just because you know you you saw star trek with chris pine you're like oh i really like star trek you know i really like space this this is a space movie too no this isn't one of those like this is a movie that you probably want to read up a little bit about first before before you before you watch it and i really do feel that justin you probably you probably should have picked prospect um but um, I had a couple issues with it. Like there are a couple of things that kind of concerned me. I didn't really understand. I feel like it's a kind of oblique in some way or obtuse and some of the things that you have to intuit, like there are, and then there's also some weird stitching, uh, stitching together of these, these flashback scenes. So Monty's, Monty's character, we presume is in prison or at least, you know, he, he was given this sentence, this life sentence, because he killed a friend who killed his dog. Like, and that's something that you have to kind of stitch together in some way, I think, sort of, kind of. Um, and, and then there's this other train scene between two characters that we don't really know that aren't really, and they, and it's purely there to just give us exposition and just to reinforce the notion that these prisoners that are on the ship don't have, like, they're, like, they're just being lied to. Like, I, and I just don't understand the need for that, like, for that actual scene. So there's a, a weird mix of some scenes that I feel like were put in there to give us clarity when we didn't really need clarity on that issue. And then there's other scenes that are left out that probably would have helped with certain things where we needed clarity. I also just thought the whole idea of this is a prison transport, right? But like everyone's on it is a prisoner and like, and you don't expect things to go horribly wrong. Like, like I don't know. It just seems really peculiar and it stretches it's strange credulity to some degree that like, there wouldn't be some other elements, but I'm getting again, ticky tacky. I'm like logist, you know, I'm logic arguing this, which is, I don't know if that's really a, a useful way to approach the movie. And then I suppose like some people just, I don't know, like there's a, like a Boise who is, uh, who is the mother of, of Willow. She dies in the most weird way. Um, 
and I didn't really understand it. Like they go to one black hole and then they go to another and like they're just hopping the black holes. And this is like, I found, I was really confused about how, how she passed like spoiler alert, like they all die, but you know that within the first 15 minutes when the only characters that are alive are, are, are Monty and the baby. So duh. Um, so it, I found that kind of odd, like that whole sequence. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, there's a certain point where I felt like I didn't know how much, how believable I found. I found the justification for this type of mission. And then it's just like, we're going to find energy. Now I will also like one of the things I loved about it. And it's also getting praise. If you, if again, if you do any reading about the movie is its depiction of the black hole and what it visually looks like. And so Justin mentioned the end. Um, so I figure we should probably warn you here, uh, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know anything about how this ends, if you plan on watching this, like definitely don't listen to the next like two or three minutes, but the very end, um, Monty and Willow, Willow's now um, like a 12, 13 year old. She just, uh, you know, something around there, early teen, um, preteen. And the two of them have this, you know, they come across a second ship that looks just like theirs. It's just a different number. It's just this big old square blocky ship, but it's filled with dogs, which is relevant because of Monty's history, which is very cute and perfect, right? But also because Willow's been really wanting a dog and they get in a little bit of an argument and she talks about cruelty. And he's like, what do you know about cruelty? Because honestly, she doesn't know anything about cruelty because she's just been. She's had a loving father. It's that she knows a lot about isolation and she knows a lot about perhaps loneliness, but like, what does she know of cruelty? Right. And then they, uh, they decide that they're going to get into one of the docked spaceships. Like they have these little, like these, these small little shuttles, uh, in their bigger blocky, um, frigate. And then they fly into a black hole and the black hole looks gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It looks like they call it a crocodile eye and stuff like that. And, um, if you actually do, if you look at some of the re- more recent pictures of black holes that we've seen, like li- literal actual black holes, there's a lot of, well, uh, fairly accurate, right? And then there's this fascinating scene where like they, they're flying and they're in their, you know, they're in their ship and then suddenly they're not and they're just talking to one another and there's this like yellow light in the background. And I think it's the idea that, I mean, what's, what's actually happening there? And then we fade into white and that's the end of the movie. And I'm like, what exactly just happened? Did they survive? Did they come out the other side? And I don't know. Like, um, it's really hard. I don't know. What do you think of the ending? I think they just didn't know how to end it, and that's what they did. I, it feels like that, where it's like, and it's over. You know, like those Saturday Night Live uh, skits that are like, um, they they it's a running joke, but they don't know really how to end the whole situation. Yeah. I feel like it's one of, like a Palomino. Let's just garbage. They're gorgeous. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite Saturday Night Live skit. The Palomino. It's gorgeous skit. Yeah. I just think it's like, they're like, well, if we just end it with some artsy fartsy bullshit, then it, it fits in. Because like, I don't think there was any proper ending to it other than they all die or they go through the black hole. But once they go to the black hole, it's like, okay, we're through. So what's going to decide? And there's no resolution to it. I, I feel like there's nothing. I'm sure there's some artsy meaning to it. But like, not only do they go through the black hole and see each other, but like his daughter is like in full makeup and she looks beautiful and he's... He's just standing there, and that's that's it. I mean, it may, there's there's nothing to infer from it. There's nothing. Like, yeah, I, I don't agree with you. I don't agree all. with you at all. I just feel like you didn't get it, and I feel like I probably didn't get out of it either. And I feel like by saying there's artsy-fartsy stuff, we're just sort of dismissing a challenging movie, right? It's a challenging movie, and it's challenging you to think, and it's not it's not Avengers, right? It's not, like, there and provided for you in a very simple platter. And, like, movies and stories can be presented differently. Like, you can have those movies that are a little bit more accessible, and you can have movies that make you work. This is a movie that makes you work. 
and I can't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like I understand everything about it. I don't, but like, I also don't think, like, I think we do a disservice and I, I think it discredits us as reviewers to say like they didn't know how to end the movie. And so they just ended it there. I think, I think that's bullshit. I think they did know how to end it. It's just a question of whether or not the message that they were trying to convey at the end was one that was coming through. Like, did they end it in an effective fashion, right? Did they end it in a way in which people are going to understand it and receive it? And I don't know if I get it. Like for me, I look at it and I, I feel it's not so much the last image, but it's more the last conversation they have where it's like, where he's like, should we go? And Chief says definitively, yes, like this idea, like they're going and they're doing. And I think that un, unto itself is probably, you know, that that's meaningful. Like that, that exchange is so meaningful. I can't say, I need to watch it again. You know, I need to watch it and think about it some more. Like I watched it yesterday. So like we need, I need time to, de- to decompress, but like, I just like, be careful like with that, like be careful just being like, what the hell, you know, they don't know. Like, yes, they do. Like this, this woman has a very long history, this director, Claire Dennis. And like, this is the stuff that she does. And it's not for us, you know, or at least, you know, n- not all the time or it's not for everybody, but um, let's, let's not be too dismissive. I found, I found a lot of it intriguing um like i was never i was never bored i never like turned it off or stopped watching you know i, I found a lot of the story and, and stuff interesting mm. it's just in the end maybe it was just above my head it's like no i i, when, I, I, it's I like think it's above mine watch, too yeah it's like when i watched akira i go jeff i'm gonna watch akira <laughs> and you go you're not gonna yeah, like I gotta, it i like, go, I go i'm gonna be fine like you're not gonna understand the end of it. I go, I'll. It's a cartoon movie. How bad could it be, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. I get 99% through the movie. I'm like, Jeff's an idiot. I, this makes sense. It's they they created a god. That's all sure. this is. Last five minutes of the movie. I'm like, what just <laughs> happened? <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. I think I, watching this movie. I think it makes makes me uh, think about like wh- why do I watch movies? You know, why do I consume? why do I consume movies or why do I consume comics? Like, and then do I consume them all the same? Like, do I consume one movie simply because like, do I, do I have to watch every movie to laugh or do I have, do I have to watch every movie to understand everything? Or do I have to watch every movie and there, every movie needs to have resolution? Like, do I need all those types of things? And I don't know if I do, like I do love, I love being challenged by new movies, right? I love making and stories. I love, I love stories that make me feel like, I don't know what's going on, and I have to really, really think if I'm in the mood for them. Now, if I'm not in the mood for them, then I get frustrated, and I'm like, I, I don't I don't want to think. Um, but this is a movie that makes you, I mean, like, if you if you want to engage with this, you have to be willing to, like, understand it. Now, is it going to be rewarding? I don't know. Um, but I did find it intriguing, and I also found it incredibly uncomfortable. And I think that there's something about how uncomfortable I was watching much of this movie that I feel was intentional. I think there was intentionality behind the way in which those scenes and a lot of the themes were actually woven together, and it was supposed to make us feel uncomfortable in many ways. Like I feel like that's intentional. The ending is 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 really difficult, right? The ending is. I'm not sure. I. I <sighs> I, I feel like they're, yeah, they, they went into the, the, the black hole. And especially since earlier in, in the movie, we see what happens to Boise and she does the whole like spaghetti string thing, you know, and then her head pops and blah, 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 blah. We're worried about them. And this doesn't happen to them. Does this mean that they have transcended to some new level of existence? Have they passed through black hole? Are they on a new, like, I don't know. I, all I know is that like, there's so much we don't understand about like the universe. There's so much we don't understand about ourselves. And like at the very end, I don't know, there's some sort of meta level thing going on there where I just, I feel like maybe they're moving beyond it. Like that, that they're accepting the fact that they don't know. And there wasn't ever going to be a happy ending to this, right? Like 
I, I just don't, at least this is the happiest of the ending I think you can get, like where you have father and daughter who love each other and they've been there, you know, they're there for each other and it's not, you know, and it, yeah, it's not presented in a way that is gross or creepy. It's just honest and earnest and that's great. And for a guy, Monty, who throughout all of the previous scenes that we've seen is a guy who who honestly is averse to affection and who who tries to shy away from any sort of relationship and Maybe this stems from his early years when he killed his friend, supposedly who killed the dog, and he just and he didn't have he had a horrible relationship with his father that he loosely references, and then all of the distrust you know that 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 went on on the ship, and he had one kind of friend in Andre Benjamin, but and he was sort of, sort of telling the story about like his kids because like, he left because Andre Benjamin's character like left his kid you know and. So like there's something at the end like the acceptance of like it's just the two of them and like their father father daughter so like I don't know like that's the best and I don't feel super confident like I I don't feel like I got it and like I really don't and I I feel like it's a movie I would probably have to watch like two or three more times I don't know if I want to though like because of how uncomfortable I felt so it's it's weird in that way it's a very beguiling movie but um, I need to watch that uh, Shops and Hall movie to counteract what just happened to my brain with this movie. Show. yeah yeah sure no totally um okay so like i guess final note uh, only watch it if you're willing you know only watch it if you're a person who likes watching weird challenging movies that are going to show you uncomfortable scenes and that are going to possibly make you frustrated um because you don't understand what's going on like that's the type of movie this is also watch the preview before you you see it I'm down, so you know i knew it I, when you're like when you're like and don't just say oh, oh batman batman's in it. in it yeah let's check batman like we know robert pattinson's a great movie we've seen him already in twilight come on he's a great actor like come on i totally I, forgot i'm sorry i he i totally believed him as a 118 year old pedophile it's great all right on that note let's go ahead and uh head to the challenges and now it's time for the gentleman's challenge So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I like to give each other homework assignments. Uh, these homework assignments usually come in the form of watching a movie, playing a game, reading a comic, something like that. And then in order to ensure that we complete our homework, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. We should also note that everything that we talk about here in the Gentleman's Challenge is very spoiler heavy. Uh, so whether it's a movie or a comic, we are not going to pull any punches. If there's something that we're conversing about today that you... Uh, that you want to watch or read on your own, uh, definitely wait to listen to the segment until after you experience it yourself, and then come back and listen and see if you can answer some of the questions. Uh, so, Justin, I think it's your turn uh, to go first. Uh, so uh, you want to tell the old, kind listeners what it is that you were assigned to do this week? So I was assigned by our lovely friend, uh, Ashley, who I uh, uh-huh. want to give a thousand hugs to when I see her in a couple weeks. Um, for assigning this to me uh the movie tusk uh by kevin smith um this movie was uh came out like 2009 and uh it's 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 terrible it's real bad um that's my overall review of it wait Uh, wait first of all give us like a two minute and and can you okay we've been getting some complaints lately um from some of our listeners that uh that you are um how do i put this um on the show so uh no. okay <laughs> so like, right. no, no, no. uh you uh last couple one of your uh gentlemen's challenger summaries have been a little um 
uh, like you're not really too into it. Just saying. So let's see. You know, well, I'm just, like I, it. maybe it's the material that's been presented to me might have something uh-huh. to do with said reviews. But you know, I digest. Let's um, uh-huh. let's uh, <laughs> let's go to this uh, review. Uh, so Tusk is uh, stars Justin Long, uh, Haley Joel Osmond, and uh, some old creepy guy. And so basically, what it is Justin Long and Haley Joel Osmond have a podcast very similar to us. Uh, and their podcast is called the Nazi Podcast. And sure. what it is, yeah. it, not Nazi Party Podcast. And what it is, it's not Nazi like Heil Hitler Nazi. It's not C. Because what happens is Justin Long's characters, whose name is Wallace, goes out and sees interesting things. And then his friend, uh, Theodore, right? I believe it's Theodore. is played by Haley Joel Osmond, Teddy. Doesn't like going out and doing these things because he's somewhat agoraphobic. So what happens is he doesn't see the stuff. Wallace goes out, sees it, comes back, and reports it to him in the podcast and explains everything. So we are open to a parody of something like a guy. Remember Lightsaber Guy? So it's kind of like that. It's, it's a kind of like a parody of it. But this guy, he, they call himself Kill Bill Guy. And he takes a sword and actually cuts off his right leg. And Justin Long is fascinated by this character. So he gets he, he, he contacts this internet meme and goes to his house, but when he goes to his home, he finds out that he killed himself, and he's uh, he ends up at his funeral. So this is in Manitoba, and he doesn't know. So he basically just spent money to come out here, and he's kind of lost as to what to do. You know, what can he do? So he ends up going to a bar, and when he goes to the bar, he goes in the bathroom, and he sees that there's this there's this thing on the wall basically saying, hey, I'm this guy that has lots of adventures. I'd love to talk to somebody about it. I'm kind of bound to this wheelchair. If you just want to hang out and live with me for a little bit so I can tell you my story, so I can kind of like leave a legacy, I'd love to talk to you. So he sees this as an opportunity as interesting stories to see because he himself, as a podcaster, believes that he tells good stories. Much like how I think I tell good stories, but they're definitely not. Anyways. Well, um, you, you have good stories, but you don't tell them well. That's the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very different. So, what happens is Justin Long's character uh, finds out he lives in the Bifrost, about two hours from where he was at. He goes to the the um, mansion. The old man finds him and he uh, he feeds him some tea. The tea knocks him out. When he knocks him out, he cuts his leg off, um, and then he kind of like starts slowly transforming him into a walrus because when this old man was uh in his early 20s he was working for the navy and he worked alongside of of hemingway his boat um wrecked which you can infer through the different time of the you know over time of them explaining that someone blew it up from the inside that he maybe he himself blew it up because he's a serial killer uh he became stranded on a rock and the only companion he had on this rock was a walrus that he named tusk and so the walrus kept him uh company you know fed him and cared for him and and kept him warm and so he wants to uh pay him back because by the end of the, you learn by the end of the movie that he in order to survive he had to kill tusk who was almost like a father figure to him in order to survive so what he's been trying to do for years is create a tusk replica out of people to turn people into a walrus in order to uh even the scales because in the end he wants the the walrus to kill him 
you know, to kind of like even out the the playing field of what he had done and you know how his his biggest sin was 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 killing the person that loved him most the 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 walrus yes these are the things that the movie is about anyways so uh just along goes missing his girlfriend and Haley joe osmond uh go looking for him it's a long progressed movie over time where he they slowly transforming him into a walrus uh he cuts both of his legs off in the in their search of trying to find him they find uh uh i guess he's a he's a detective by the name of Guy, and Guy is played by uh the always um exhausting uh uh Johnny Depp and so Johnny Depp uh helps them try and find cuz he's been trying to hunt this man down for a while too cuz he's a serial killer in Manitoba and everyone says there's no serial killers in Canada cuz Canada is so nice and everything there's tons of Canadian jokes and all that stuff about like uh you look at the flag it's it's red and white we leave the blue behind because we're, we're we don't get sad here we always stay trying to stay positive um so uh they find they they finally get to the mansion Justin Long is now in a uh one-on-one confrontation with the old man because the old man has put himself in somewhat of a walrus suit as well and they're fighting each other as walruses yeah and uh, he eventually gets the upper hand, and the old man's uh, kind of basically says, "Either you, either I'll kill you, or you have to kill me." And so, uh, just long, and eventually stabs him with his his tusks to kill the old man, kind of evening out the scales of the old man killed Tusk when he was a, a young man, and now uh, Tusk has killed him. Uh, and then they find uh, Justin Long's character, Wallace. And it looks like they're about to kill him, but instead, a year later, they, he ends up at a sanctuary, where he, uh, Manitoba sanctuary, where he is now living out the rest of his life as a walrus. And they go and say hello to him, and uh, he doesn't really respond. He just has accepted his life as a walrus. Um, but he's not just a walrus; he is a, a human because he is crying, and that's what they say is the difference between animals and humans is their ability to cry. Um, so that's the story. Um, and it is it's a doozy. There's a lot to unpack in this episode overall with a lot of stuff that we're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, again, uh, my response to this, uh, you know, to kind of keep in line with what I said in the previous uh, thing, what the fuck, um, this, this movie is very strange. Uh, Justin Long is the worst in this film. He is absolutely the worst. And I know it's he's that way f- on purpose because they're trying to give you someone that you don't care becoming uh, a walrus or being tortured, but he is the most cringeworthy, frustrating human being character I've ever seen in a movie. And I can't stand him. And I don't know if it was supposed to be that far, but man, I could not stand him in this film, his character, the way he acted, he, he acted like a maniac and it was just, ridiculous he, he he basically depicted like comedy podcasts as rem, like um uh what are they called like those morning shows like uh like animal morning shows where people just act like ridiculous to try and get views and stuff like that and that's all this guy is he's he's, he's a vapid uh awful person and it's just you feel no remorse for all the stuff that happens because he's just mean and just cold-hearted and just not really nice at all so i couldn't stand his character i'm sure there was a reason for that they wanted you to do that um Haley joe osmond looks like he's been stung by bees 
Um, he's very puffy in this movie. Uh, have you uh, but, have you seen him recently? I mean, he was in Future Man and stuff like that. I mean, no, nah, I haven't. I, I I I saw him a little bit in uh, Silicon Valley. That was about it. So, hell, uh, Jawsman, yeah. Uh, you're so obsessed. A, you're so obsessed with basically calling people fat without really calling people fat. You know that? I don't know what you're talking about. I think he I does all he the time. I thought he had an allergic reaction. <laughs> We're concerned for him. Someone get him EpiPen. I, I, I'm um, very sorry. Kevin Smith writes so much in this film. It's just monologue after monologue after monologue. And that's kind of like what he does. Like you think of like clerks and all that stuff. He loves to write just these long pieces. And this kind of, I kind of was equating this to kind of like his comic book writing. Cause he's a big comic book writer too. He did a whole bunch of stuff for Marvel and DC. Um, this to me feels more like a comic book movie, but like one of those long drawn out, super long text box comic books that I don't like to read because it's like, it's too much jammed in a small amount of time. There's so many moments that are just lengthened out so long. When they're talking to uh, Johnny Depp, his conversation when he first meets the serial killer, uh, you know, when he's acting like a, a weirdo, invalid almost, about like, you know, when he's talking about the hockey player that went missing, the conversations go on for so long. And they're not even like funny or interesting. They're just extended and take forever. Ever. And that seems like everything in this movie just takes forever to go on because there's so much writing being packed into this movie. Um, I know it's supposed to be like a satire or some type of, you know, horror comedy, but I never found myself amused at all at this movie. It's just weird um, and strange. And I, I just, I, it's not that I think, it's not that I like hate it. It's just that like, it's weird, and I don't really see. I, 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 there's just it's just too much, and it almost seems ridiculous to me. I know I'm not the only person that says this. I know I'm kind of jumping on the bandwagon. It's got like a 99 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's like I got 12 percent. I know I'm jumping on the hate tusk bandwagon. Yeah, uh-huh. but man, it's there's just so much. Like I love Kevin Smith movies. Jens Hot Bob Strikes Back is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I love Mallrats. I love Clerks 2. Mm. Um, I enjoy Clerks 1. Dogma is one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? I, I, I love Dogma, dude. I yeah. love Dogma. Yeah. And this movie just so... Ugh, I couldn't take it. It's just so much writing and so much stuff. <laughs> all that, so I, much I, writing. I couldn't take it. All that writing in that movie. So many monologues, dude, and they take forever, much like my description of this bad film. I also think Take he likes uh, he likes montages. You ever, you, <laughs> did you ever watch Clerks, the television show? Clerks. I didn't. I think I watched a little bit of it, but I don't remember any of it. <laughs> it's so funny. The second, I think it was the second, maybe the third episode. It was like a, a look back montage episode. It was so funny. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, so, uh, are you ready for a quiz? You want, want to do your quiz? Sure. I'm super excited for it. For well, this. Um, super great movie. Couple things. Well, first of all. Uh, our friend Ashley provided me a couple of the questions. So I took three of her <laughs> questions. I got two of my own. Uh, and you already answered one of hers, uh, which is great. So you already got a point. It's why are Canadians never sad? And it's a quarter. That's right. They're never sad. They're always, they're always uh, optimistic because Ooh, they're different than right. America. That's it's like right. red, white, and blue. Eh, you're saying it. Is. You're making me not want to give you the point now. Uh, in Canada, you're always red and white but never blue, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that TSA agent is the guy I from just... uh, Epic Mealtime, by the way. Yeah, that was actually another one of her questions, but I didn't use that one. So, yeah. Okay, so that's, uh, that's uh, so question, I guess, number two then. Uh, what don't you say in an airport? What don't you say? Uh, I don't watch hockey. No, that's incorrect. Uh, you don't say Hitler. That's 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 uh, what I'm saying. It's the same conversation, though. Yeah, it is yeah, same yeah. conversation. You don't okay. say you don't watch hockey in Canada, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so uh, what do the detectives call Mister Howe and why? What do they call? Him? Uh, this, he's, oh, he's the uh, the first wife. That's right. Because. That's what it is. Because. Because the first wife, uh, was it, doesn't have sex with you. That's one of them. Because mm-hmm. it's, that's a thing where it's, I wonder if there's any type of like sexual mm-hmm. uh, invasion. Sure. Doesn't have sex with you. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Cuts your leg off? No, no, no. Okay, so I think the time oh, is up. Man. Time is up. I'm gonna give you a point. A point. Uh, let's see what there's uh, maybe maybe point five because you got like there's four things in the in the answer and you got two of them. Uh, so it's the first. They call him the first wife because she doesn't let you talk, she doesn't let you go anywhere, and she does not, to put it nicely, have sex with you. And so you got two of those four. So we'll give you. Point All five. right, I forgot those last two. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, question number four. This is also an Ashley question, uh, but I. Came up with the answer, so just remember that. It's a hint. On a scale of one to ten, how necessary was it to see Justin Long's O face? On a scale of one to ten, ten being incredibly uh, okay. necessary, ten being incredibly necessary, one being not necessary. <laughs> and Ashley made this question. Ashley made this question. Um, but I have the answer. I came up with the answer. It's a great question, fantastic question, but I have the answer. I think it's a ten because you don't really see into someone's soul or know who they are until you see their O face. So I think that's, that's, that's my, that's my answer. There. Yeah. That's uh that's absolutely wrong. Uh, the correct answer is zero, uh, because Damn. All right. so it's, close. An, it's, so close. it's so unnecessary. It doesn't even scale. Also a zero looks like an O. So, haha. Uh, so oh, I see. There's yeah. a, I is connected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went off the board. Okay. And then, uh, question number five, this is one of my questions. Uh, now I assume, because you already mentioned that the, the movie Tusk has some characters that deal with the podcast, and you and I also are um, podcasters, as, as you all know. Now, I assume that after watching Tusk, and as a fellow podcaster, that you tracked down an old sailor for us to interview. Now, could you please tell me this seafarer's name, describe him, and tell us above the urinal in what place of business did you find the pencil-written announcement of this interviewee. This is me. This is me His name is Salty McGuffin. Yeah. All right. It's Salty McGuffin. Yeah. I was at a, a Applebee's, um, mm-hmm. you know, America's best restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, they have great two for one specials. I don't know if you know that. Uh, but anyways, two for two. at Applebee's. Um, and I, I, I was sitting in the bathroom, uh, purposefully missing the, the urinal as much as I could. And I noticed that he had a, uh, a, a, a paper on the uh, like the community board right above our faces, which I thought was just so convenient. And he wanted to tell me his stories um, about how he himself had found a mermaid um, and fathered an entire family of mermaids himself. And I went to his house and met these 
uh, half fish people, and it was the most majestic thing I had ever seen. I can't believe I haven't talked to you about this before, yeah. but yeah. Um, the mermaid people brought me in as one of their own, and I too am now honorary uh, merman. So uh, that is the uh, uh, salty McGuffin. So that is entirely incorrect, and also a flat out lie. <laughs> All right. Okay, I, okay. I, I, I want to say I stopped listening after Applebee's, but then you started mentioning mermaid mer people, and I'm gonna call bullshit on that because I've provided you not one but two mermaid shows to watch, and you are quite clearly racist against mermaids. The reason why I don't like no, them is because no. they don't accurately portray no. the mer people. There's no way because I've seen them in person. No way, no way, no way, no way. I think you're lying. You I know why it's wrong, Jeffrey? It's representation. The fish part. Oh, I'm sorry. You're against. Half. You're against representation of mermaids. Oh, oh that's nice. You only just want to the see fish, a bunch of white people, part right? That's all you want to see. Half. Okay. Yeah. They're just, okay. just. Yeah. No, it's fine. Just, just white men on television everywhere. You don't want to have any mermaids. They can't have their own television shows. They just want two. There's like thousands of television shows. They get two, but you can't have that. But whatever. No. I'm just disappointed with how. You know what? You know. You know what? Y'all, that's a zero. Is it zero for the whole, whole quiz? Is it? Is it? No. Okay. Just kidding. Right. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's see. Let's see. You got the Canadians and Aristad. It's one. Uh, you got uh, 1.5. 1.5 is what it looks like. I'll give you. I'll give you a point. F- no, never mind. I'm not gonna do that because I'm probably gonna fail my quiz. Uh, 1.5. 1. No, I'll all give, right. Here we go. I'll give We're you a. It. I'll give you a point five for trying on the last one. Yeah. No, you lied. You lied. That's so a lot of. Much. That's a lot of quick improv. All right. It, it wasn't not, very good uh, at all. It wasn't very good at all. Applebee's. It doesn't have to be good, but it was quick. Applebee's. Look, well, Applebee's. That's Applebee's terrible. is the best. That's your neighborhood. Uh, it's bar and grill. eating good at your neighborhood. You don't even... Oh, whatever. Anyway, my turn. So good. Con- continuing our kind of bizarre bizarre turn. Uh, Justin assigned me a comic this week. Uh, a comic that I actually have had on my on my wish list uh, for a while. On my comicsology wish list. Uh, it's called Saga. Saga. Justin, you've read Saga, right? You, you just read it this... Uh, this past uh, week or two or so since since you decided. yeah it's it's a uh, it's a long standing uh, series but yeah. it's like critically acclaimed you uh, Brian you ass- K. Vaughn's amazing exactly you assigned it to me because you really like the creator uh, which is uh, Brian K Vaughn but also Fiona Staples uh, it's written by Brian K Vaughn uh, and uh, Fiona Staples is credited with the art uh, this is put out by Image Comics and it's an ongoing series and it's uh, started back in 2012 and it's still going and there are apparently something like 54 issues I guess somewhere around that. Uh, over 50. I'm not sure how up-to-date Wikipedia is. Uh, so I read volume one. Um, now, I was doing some some background uh, reading on this, and apparently this was billed as like as like a, something, something like Star Wars meets Game of Thrones with a little bit of Romeo and Juliet thrown in. That's kind of, yeah, that just sounds awful to me. Like all of that sounds awful. But I definitely wanted to, I wanted to read it because it, it seems to be really popular. So the uh, the first volume follows primarily uh, the two leads uh, of of the the whole comic, which is Alana and Marco, uh, and they are much like Romeo and Juliet. They are from different worlds, and not do, I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that quite literally. Alana comes from a place uh, called Landfall, which is home to this uh, this fairly advanced like like they're the they're the tech people, like they're the computer people uh, called the Landfall Coalition, and then. And that is a really big planet in the galaxy. And then Marco, uh, he is from Wreath, which is like a moon of, of landfall. And his people instead are magic users. So we've got uh, we've got Alana, who's like the tech base, but she's got fairy wings, uh, or butterfly wings, something like that. And then you've got Marco, who's magic base, and he's got uh, these, uh, these ram horns that come out of his head. And he's kind of like, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's, he's like a goat man or something, but not in a cool way. You think it would be cool? You think I would like that? But yeah, I like goats. But whatever. Anyway, the two of them are um, are on the run 
uh, because they love one another. Uh, and the, their, their respective peoples of Wreath and Landfall are, uh, are at war, and uh, they do not want these two to be together. Now, both of them, both sides of the coin, uh, initially think that there's no way that each side, you know, each of them would voluntarily be with each other, but it becomes clear that that's the case. Uh, but not only are they lovers, but they're having a baby together, right? So uh, they're having a baby in the very first scene. It's awesome. It's great. It's the miracle of life. Um, and it's so beautifully handled and not 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 demonstrated at all in a way that uh, talks about pooping. Uh, but uh, they're in some sort of uh, some sort of shed, like they're hiding away, and that's where the baby's being delivered. And then their people show up. And first, it's Alana's people, the tech-based people, and all of the tech-based people, like the royalty, are like robots, and so they have really wonderful names, like Prince Robot the Fourth, and he, they got like a TV on their heads, and then they have like regular human bodies. It's really strange. Um, and then, then immediately, so it looks like they're caught and they're they're gonna be screwed. But then, then uh, uh, Marco's people show up, and then the two of them kill each other. The two groups kill each other, and then they get away. And the whole volume is about them trying to get off the planet uh, of Cleve. Because they're on this other place called Cleave, and they're there. I think it's a yeah, it's a planet. And the reason is because it's a prison. Um, it's a prison planet, and that's where Marco was uh, uh, was in prison, and Alana was like a guard. And then they something happened, and like after like twelve hours or whatever it was, they escaped together, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so they're trying to get off. And like that's the entire premise of this. They had the baby, and then they're trying to escape with the baby while these two large factions are hunting them down. Now there's a couple other storylines that come in, a couple other characters. There, like each of these, each sides of these start hiring out uh, mercenaries. Like the Will, for instance, uh, is the name of one, and they all have like stupid names like that, like the something, uh, to 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 chase them down. But the Will doesn't really get to that yet. So throughout Volume One, um, the Will is the other is the other storyline um, that we really see. Uh, well, one of the other two, and he goes to a place called the Sextilian um, because the can't remember the name of the other character but there was another there was another mercenary that uh, assassin type who was already on the case uh and the two of them apparently have a romantic past and then he just didn't want to go and get on the job because she's there so he went to the sextillion which is this just apparently this giant like brothel somewhere in space uh and so yeah and then he frees like a like a sex slave girl or, or something at the end who's like six years old or whatever so it's like oh yeah he must be a good guy but we're told like no he's probably really not a good guy um but anyway that's his storyline um and then there's prince robot the fourth who has recently returned uh, home but is immediately assigned uh to to handle uh on the the landfall coalition side of things the acquisition of these two um these two escapees and their child because there's some uh, CCTV footage that shows that Alana was pregnant, and so now they want to get whatever this offspring might be, right? And so that's his kind of storyline, and he's dealing with the pressures. He's being pressured by, you know, his father, who I guess is like the, the king or whatever. Uh, and also he's got um, a wife with a TV head as well, and the two of them are trying to have a kid, and yeah. Uh, and we, we do see them having sex very early on. It's uh, Yeah, it's awesome. That's two TVs having sex. It's fantastic. Um yeah, and so also at a certain point they meet a ghost, and a ghost becomes bonded to the baby, uh, and that's the only way that they use to get off the the planet using a rocket ship um, from like the rocket ship forest or the rocket something like that, and uh, and the rocket ship is made out of wood, uh, 
because that makes scientific sense. But hey, you know, there's robots with, you know, that are in charge and they have TVs on their heads. So like we can't really split hairs. Uh, so the all the while, there's like this voiceover narration, so to speak. And it's the child, Hazel, who's narrating it in the future. So this is all kind of looking back to some degree through her perspective. I think only really about the segments that have to do with her parents, because I'm not sure if she would have had the information on the other characters. But but yeah, that's that's volume one. That's that's pretty much it. They get out of there. Um, the mercenary will freeze the freeze uh, or tries to free the uh, the sex slave. Um, it, I think Isabel was the name of the ghost, and she bonds to Hazel so she can get off. And she has like she's like a floating red torso with like intestines hanging out. And uh, yeah, and they're all big happy family because at the end, uh, Marco's parents show up uh, right as like the volume is ending. It's like oh hey, what's up? And so yeah, that's that's Saga. Um, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I don't know. Like it didn't. It There's didn't... a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And I'm yeah. There's a lot going on, and it felt really. It felt like it was trying really hard to uh, to land its tone. You know this this notion that all these people are just kind of off the cuff. They're cool and they're off the cuff and they're edgy and whatnot. And everyone's everyone's so clever it's like i was watching an aaron sorkin tv show where everyone has something funny to say and everyone's intelligent and everyone's up to speed and like that's not really what everyone's like uh so so there's a little of that going on i felt like it's was, it was in some cases it was trying really hard in the opening couple of scenes like you, you have like this kind of graphic not I don't know, graphics not the right word that's not the right word but the kind of a very intimate view of them trying to give birth to, to hazel and then like a couple cells later you have the two robots, you know, having sex like doggy style and stuff like that. I don't know. It just it seems to me like they were just trying so hard to like look how edgy we are, right? But ultimately, I think the story is actually pretty interesting, and it is Romeo and Juliet, like the idea of like these two disparate lovers from these two different factions that are trying to find some way in the world. Obviously, they you know they didn't kill themselves because they're young and stupid. They actually had a kid and they found their way uh, to extricate themselves. So they're already better than Romeo and Juliet. Uh, there's a really interesting broader world um, in terms of like how these two coalitions, why they fight each other, how does magic and technology work. I'm always a big fan of like mixing magic and tech, right? I think that's really cool. Like one of my, I mean, we played Starfinder for a really long time for RPGs, and that has a mix of both tech and magic. So I really like a lot of the world that's going on. Um, in terms of the characters, like they're okay. Like Marco and Alana are okay. I didn't particularly um, gravitate towards either of them um, all that much. Uh, like Marco apparently has got like a hell of a temper. Well, I mean they both really have temples to be, tempers to be honest, but like Marco has a sword and he's like a really good fighter, but he's like sworn not to use it and then he has to use it because when he does use it, he like goes crazy and starts killing people and Alana has to like shoot him to tell him to like, you know, stop, you know, stop going crazy and killing people. So that's an interesting backstory to see if we know a little bit more about him. Um I don't know. I I'm not sure how I feel about it like yet cuz it's yeah it's just it's an interesting tone it's it's i'm not i'm not sold on it uh entirely yet i like it and i'm curious you know it makes me curious um and i think i do want to read a second volume to see how it goes uh i'm told by some summaries i see on like comiXology and stuff that we get some backstory uh, which makes sense considering how marco's parents come up and so we get a little bit about him and so that'd be nice because we really didn't get much backstory at all about them but again it's volume one of, of an ongoing comic so there's plenty of time plenty of space to do that i'm not sure if it hooked me though you know like i, I don't know if this is the best first impression um 
it, it felt like there were a lot, like there was so much craziness, right? To the point where I almost felt that there might be too much. You know, I almost felt like there might be too much for one volume, especially for the first volume. But at the same time, I think it also works as a good sort of door check to be like, listen, this is what the ride's going to be like. Either you're on or you're off. Either you like watching, you know, TV headed robots having sex and there's fairy people and tech and magic and they're flying in rocket ships made out of wood or you don't. And uh, so I think there's something to be said for that. So I have a, I have, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, and I do, I do want to read another. And especially since it's unlimited, it's on unlimited in Coxology. So you have a Comicsology account doesn't really cost you anything. So at least, at least some of the older volumes, right? I don't know the newer volumes. I imagine you probably have to pay for it, but I'll probably give it another run. So what do you think? I think it's interesting. Like a lot of the stuff that happens with it, like how outrageous it is. A big reason was because Brian K. Vaughn knows that everyone's turning these comic books and like TV shows and movies. And he's been known for saying that he made it as outlandish as possible. So it couldn't be adapted into a TV show or whatever. Funny story. It is. So somehow they're going to do this. Like, I don't know how you're going to, they're going to probably have to do a lot more human acting than what's in this. Cause like there's horse, there's horse, uh, like seahorse people and there's an alligator Butler and stuff like that. There's so many weird things. Um, there's, uh, like giant heads with just legs attached to them. So to be as outlandish as it can be, I don't know how they're going to translate it to a TV show, but yeah, I think it's a, a nice, interesting twist on like, like you said, the star crossed lovers, but with more depth to it than just like, uh, my family doesn't like your family. It's like, no, there's been a war raging for years between our two clans. And somehow we were able to do this. And there's a prophecy that says that our child is somehow ended it all or unite the clans or, or create an apocalypse, depending on who, who, who you listen to. She's yeah. Robert the Bruce. Unite us. Unite the clans. Yeah. Um, They'll think yeah, we away. The, prophe- <laughs> the prophecy, that, that makes me feel sad. Because I, I hate prophecy stuff. You know, it's always like this is the one or something. But hey, Well, you know, just keep reading. Just keep reading. It's interesting. So um, No, I'm going to read. I'm well, definitely going to read volume two. And we'll see how, you know, we'll see where we go from there. So, like, I'm interested enough to read a second volume. I'm not so, I'm not, like, so overwhelmed overwhelmingly like excited about it that i immediately started reading volume two though it's more one of those like i'm gonna put this on my my to-do list or my my to read list as opposed to i immediately want to go read it um which you know other you know other comics like fables and stuff like that have, i've immediately been like yeah i'm just gonna start reading this next one so it hasn't it didn't yeah it didn't knock my socks off so to speak but it's it's interesting and it's cool and um i certainly i certainly recommend it, it it's definitely it's definitely the most normal story of the three things that we've talked about on the podcast. Uh, uh, this uh, the art's fantastic yeah. too. Um, I, I love the art 100. percent It's pretty good. Yep, 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 so, yep. You ready for your quiz questions then? Probably not. But go ahead. All right. So you actually got one of them right already. Um, oh, the, so my third question is named the Sex Bar, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you were right. It was the Sextillion. Awesome. Um, so that's one of them you got right already. Uh, the first question has when the TV head person. So when Sir Robot the Fourth, whatever, is having sex with his wife. What pops up on a screen that makes him stop? It was like it was hard to see, but it was like a like a bloody tooth or or horn or some something like that. Is that right? You're absolutely right, sir. However, there is a fun little fact here that was originally a depiction of of a man blowing another man, and they changed it for the comic book later uh, reproductions because they thought it was too, um, I guess, explicit. Mm. despite the other things that we've but that was a change but yes you're absolutely right it was a bloody tooth or 
or Tusk of something some like type, that, yeah, which like I thought it linked directly to Tusk. That's why I... I, I oh, I, very nice. I actually thought initially when I was reading it, because I was reading on my phone on the flight to Florida, uh, and I watched uh, the movie on the way back, um, Spider, Spider-Verse on the way back, I thought it was like like a ripped off penis. Like that's what I thought it was. And I look closer. I'm like, actually, no, I don't think that's right. So yeah, cool, cool, cool. All right, so first question, correct. Second question, how does Alana get the spider lady, lady to stop like uh, trying to kill her husband and doing all, uh, trying to steal the baby? So how did Alana get the big spider lady that looked creepy but also really cool to stop? She mentioned something about ghosts or something, right? I can't remember the specific names of what the ghosts were called. They have a name, but like she's mentioned something about that. And that freaks the spider lady out, and she just like she just nopes the hell out. Is that, is that right? I was going for she threatens to shoot the baby in the head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that too. But she also mentions the thing. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. I do do recall the baby, baby gun thing. Yeah. But I'll mm-hmm. give you half because I think it's because like she was linked to the spirits in the forest and stuff like that. So I'll give right. you half credit on oh, that. That's very so good. You get half credit on that. Cool. Okay. Third question was the sex telling question. Fourth question: Name the book that's written by oswald heist that it has the prophecy in it oh god um let's see um i think it's probably the prophecy to electric boogaloo i think that's the answer <laughs> it's close very close um uh it's called a nighttime smoke that's okay. what it's called okay um okay. one reason why i bring it up because it is like a uh, it's like an integral part of the story that's why i brought it in. yeah right, I imagine it, is, it wasn't really like too heavy in the first volume though the whole prophecy stuff is pretty light all right so last question what's the coolest creature that you saw in the entire book crocodile oh no no i mean creature or or humanoid uh over uh, anything you saw okay creature humanoid okay okay so there is this one part on cleave where there was like a battle going on when they were going to the rocket ship forest and there was the largest turtle i've ever seen in my life there was a massive turtle with really long legs and there were like two flying cockroaches and they were all part of the battle that's awesome now my favorite humanoid is the crocodile butler all right so like like there you go but like it's that massive turtle pretty awesome pretty awesome Jeffrey, I literally put turtle elephant yeah, on uh, my pad here, so you, sir, uh, get a hundred percent on that one as well. Absolutely. Obviously, a giant turtle elephant would be the coolest thing you ever see. Absolutely, uh, right? Absolutely. It's, mass- it's like it's like a turtle. It's not like big turtle, right? You think, oh, it's like a big turtle, like in <laughs> Neverending like Story, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, it is a turtle with super long neck, like mm-hmm, a giraffe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and super long legs. Yeah, very long. It's legs. it's amazing. They it's go just- all the way up to that shell. Yeah. Look, Frodo, the halophones. Anyways, um, so you get yourself four and a half on that one because a turtle elephant is obviously the best creature they could have in this book. So. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, man, is that it? Is that my last question? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's uh, it. Well okay, done. you ready for new challenges? Yes, I'm ready. I, I got one for you. All right, um, what you got? I thought, you know, let's keep this trend going. Let's get these movies that get you thinking, get you really thinking about who you are inside, what we are as people, okay. um, and kind of like interpretive endings. So I'm giving you Paul Blart Mall Cop on Netflix, um, oh, okay. and hopefully this is an introspective on your life as to how you yourself can better yourself to be as good of a cop as Paul Blart. The first one or the second? I'm sorry. Which one? It's the first one. Is that is that the Kevin – what's his name? Yeah. Kevin uh, James, Kevin who James. I always get mixed up with Kevin Smith's name. 
So mm-hmm. that's also another link to this previous podcast. Well, that's so, so strange. Uh, Paul Blart. I have a Kevin Hart movie for you to watch. It's this... <laughs> so many Kevins. No, it's that's not actually true. Um, but I do have a Kevin oh, movie. Man. I do have a Kevin movie for you to watch. Not Kevin Hart though. Uh, Justin, I would like you to watch a movie because I know how much you enjoyed Tusk. Uh, would it surprise you to learn that Tusk actually is part of a movie universe, and that there are other movies set within the same universe as Tusk? with overlapping characters and locations. Would that surprise you? Sure. So what I would like you to watch is the Kevin Smith amazing film. This is also Ashley's idea, by the way. Uh, called Yoga Hosers. Uh, it's available on Netflix. <laughs> Yoga Hosers? <laughs> yep. I've never heard of this. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Well, no one else did. Uh, <laughs> is this part of the movie universe? I was talking all... I was talking to Ashley. She's like, yeah, there's a third one that they want to make in 2020, and I can't remember the name of it, but they might not because Yoga Hosers bombed. It was like a $5 million budget, and it made like 37000 at the box office. I didn't even really heard of it until, yeah a little while ago um but anyway if, if you remember that in the beginning uh remember the two canadian girls like the teenagers that uh yeah the 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 one of them too like they just came out with the preview for hmm. jane silent bob reboot movie she, i think i think it's uh kevin smith's daughter i'm yeah. pretty sure it's kevin smith's daughter so, so so they're that's the focus like they're like kind of the focus of the of the yoga hosers there you go all right all right sounds good okay so on that note, we're going to go ahead and end this. Uh, I say I say on that note too much. Like the thing when you start editing your own podcast and you listen to yourself, you start noticing ticks. And I say kind of way too much, especially in the RPG podcast that we've been doing. Like I'm like, this kind of looks like this. And it kind of looks like this. I'm like, why do I keep saying that? And I say uh, on that note. So anyway, on that note, we're going to go ahead and end this podcast. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, if you uh, if you would be so kind, maybe hop up on uh, on our website uh, or at the or maybe go over to uh, wherever it is that you're actually getting our podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it might be. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, write a review, even we would be ever so grateful uh, to do whatever you can. Uh, and if you have any feedback for us, you have any ideas about what I can uh, I can quiz Justin on, or what Justin uh, could quiz me on, or who I can get for a better uh, co-host, anything like that uh, would be would be definitely welcome. Uh, and so finally, Justin, we've watched a movie tonight in which um, a human being turned into a walrus and had to live their existence out uh, as a walrus. So, Justin, if, if, you, if you could please, what animal creature would you be most willing to live your life out as, you know, in a non-human way? Uh, and uh, and why? It would be a panda bear because all they do ninety percent of their life is like sleep, eat, and uh, people try and force them to have sex all the time. So panda bear sounds like a pretty solid lifestyle that I kind of want to live by. So yeah, 